Dear friends, is it the new year? I think it is. I hope so. Samuel chapter 10. We're in the book of Samuel. We're learning about God's character. We're learning about the early kingship. We're seeing God uh, work with people through their faith and unbelief. And we're learning about the Davidic covenant, the promise that God gave David that a son of his would reign on the throne of Israel forever, which was ultimately fulfilled through God himself in the person of the Son, the second person of the Trinity, who became man um, of the lineage of David through Mary and Joseph and fulfilled that word because he is now the king of Israel forever. Anyhow, in chapter 10, we begin the story of the slide of David. This event in chapter 10 is going to begin the story that ultimately results in the David and Bathsheba story, followed by the David and Uriah story, followed by David's troubles with his sons, which is going to characterize the rest of this tale. And there are some thematic connections to the previous chapters. So the last chapter was all about David doing chesed with Mephibosheth and showing covenant faithfulness to him. And now this chapter is going to begin with David showing chesed to um, the son of Nahash and it going so wrong. So David shows covenant loyalty or kindness to Mephibosheth and it goes well because he's honoring David and David's going to try to do that same loyalty to a foreign king, the king of the Ammonites, and it's going to go very, very badly, which is going to result in um, or at least set up some dominoes that are going to be very, very disastrous for David and for the kingdom. But let's just keep going. Verse 1. After this, the king of the Ammonites died, and Hunan his son reigned in his place. And David said, I will deal loyally with Hunan the son of Nahash, as his father dealt loyally with me. So David sent by his servants to console him concerning his father, and David's servants came into the land of the Ammonites. Okay, so here's the setup. Um, if you remember, Nahash, the king of the Ammonites, was actually the king that attacked Israel in the days of Saul when Saul's kingship was being established. And Saul attacked Nahash. Nahash had threatened a city saying, you know, we're going to gouge out your, the right eye of all your people. And um, Nahash's name means snake. And so we don't totally know what, what's going on here. I don't remember if stories of the Ammonites have been coming up here or why David felt like uh, Nahash had dealt loyally with him. I don't remember. Maybe you remember. I don't remember at this moment. But David is going to, that, that phrase, deal loyally, is um, to do chesed. It's that same word that he was talking about with um, Mephibosheth in the last chapter. And so Nahash dies. He'd had some kind of peaceful king-to-king relationship with David or or something. I'm not sure exactly what it was. And Hunan comes in his place. And David says, I'm going to show loyalty to Hunan, the son, in the place of the father, which is good politics, I guess. Um, this is a pre-echo. Do you remember when so- Solomon dies and his son Rehoboam reigns in his place and the people come to him looking for less work and he's going to get advice from his counselors which is bad advice or the young men who know him and it's going to really blow up in his face so Hunan's going to have the same situation where he's now reigning in his father's place and he's going to make a bad decision and it's going to blow up in his face verse 3 but the princes of the Ammonites said to Hunan their lord do you think because David has sent comforters to you that he's honoring your father? Has not David sent his servants to you to search the city and to spy it out and overthrow it? So Hunan took David's servants and shaved off half the beard of each and cut off their garments in the middle at their hips and sent them away. And when it was told David, he sent to meet them 
For the men were greatly ashamed, and the king said, Remain at Jericho until your beards have grown, and then return. All right, so Hunan is not a man of Chesed, and so and neither of his princes, and so they're suspicious of David, somewhat similar to how Joab was suspicious of Abner when Abner came, with not the best motives, but came for peace. Job was suspicious and started a fight with him. So these guys are also suspicious of David's chesed and uh, respond in unbelief. And because of that, they do something uh, wicked and they're going to suffer for it. And so there's this act of humiliation where they shave off half their beard. I don't know if that's like the bottom half of their beard or maybe shaves off half of their face, but definitely cuts the garments in the middle. So essentially... This would have um, left them naked, right? It would have exposed their behinds. It would expose their genitalia, most likely, of their clothing. I think most men back then would have worn something like robes. And so to cut them in half left them naked. And these men would have been, the servants sent there would have been men of honor, you know, um, because he wanted to honor these guys. So these are honorable men, probably older men, who've been humiliated. And David wants to cover them by telling them to remain in a nearby city until... Um, their beards have grown so that their shame isn't being exposed in Jer or Jerusalem, where David's reigning from. All right, verse 6. When the Ammonites saw that they had become a stench to David, uh, which means like something David is going to have to do something about, the Ammonites sent and hired the Syrians of Beth Rehob and the Syrians of Zobah, 2,000 foot soldiers, and the king of Maka with 100,000 men, and the king of Tob with 12,000 men. Okay, so the Ammonites responded in suspicion they enjoyed humiliating these guys then all of a sudden they're like whoops what have we done and so they start casting about for military support and they're going to hire some guys and so i think syria must have been a larger area but back then mo most of the world operated by city states not by like borders and so we're talking about different cities they're all syrians but these are different cities kings of different cities who are uh, paid to ally with the ammonites against david and when David heard of it, he sent Joab and all the host of the mighty men. And the Ammonites came out and drew up in battle array at the entrance of the gate. And the Syrians of Zobah and of Rehob and the men of Tob and Makkah were by themselves in the open country. So there's a couple of questions here. David actually fought with the Syrians and defeated them a few chapters ago, if you remember that. And so I'm not sure if this is a second battle or if that previous mention was like a summary of David's victories that included this one. And it, it, there is a kind of a te technique where sometimes... Um, the Old Testament narratives will repeat themselves and see they might state something and then revisit it sometime later with more detail. And so I'm not sure if that's going on here. I tend to think of this as like a second battle. So David defeated the Syrians once already. And then this is a second time. They see themselves as fighting against David, maybe to get some freedom from him. Remember, he subjected them somewhat. So maybe they're rebelling against him in this battle. Not totally sure, but doesn't really matter. Um, what we know is that the Ammonites uh, dishonored David, and now they realize what they've done. They weren't counting the cost beforehand, now they're counting the cost afterwards, and now they're casting about for some protection. Verse 7, And when David heard of it, he sent Joab and all the host of the mighty men. Oh, sorry, we read that already. So David um, summons his men for battle, and when they go to fight against the Ammonites, they find themselves with two... Um, in a pincer. They're, they're attacked on two different sides, which is a very vulnerable place to be in. Usually, especially at those times, if you're, you wanted your enemy in front of you so you could amass your soldiers and charge at them or something like that. But to be surrounded was a very precarious place to be. So they're in danger. 
They've got the Ammonites on one side. They've got the hired Syrians on the other side. They're tactically surrounded, and this is bad. Verse 9, when Joab saw that the battle was set against him, both in front and in the rear, he chose some of the best men of Israel and arrayed them against the Syrians. The rest of his men he put in charge of Abishai, his brother, and he arrayed them against the Ammonites. Then he said, if the Syrians are too strong for me, then you shall help me. But if the Ammonites are too strong for you, then I will come and help you. Be of good courage, and let us be courageous for our people and for the cities of our God. And may the Lord do what seems good to him. So this is Joab's response. And Joab is as a character, he's very shrewd. He's so sometimes quite godless, especially when he like killed Abner, but he's not dumb. He's very wily, and he has some religion, so he's talking about the Lord, um, but you can see his wiliness here. He, he, he probably thinks the Syrians are the less likely to have high morale soldiers. They're hired soldiers, and typically hired soldiers don't have as much morale as people fighting for their lives or people fighting for their own cities. And so he takes the best of his men to attack the Syrians. So we've got fewer but better men attacking the mercenaries, whereas the rest of the army is going to go and attack the Ammonites. And he kind of has this saying where he talks to his brother and he just says like, you know, let's do our best, and if you need help, I'll help you, and if I need help, you'll help me, and it doesn't totally make sense, because obviously they can both be being defeated, but he's landing on courage, and this is Joab's thing. He's a courageous guy, and that's a good thing. He's courageous with the faith he has, and so this is a good moment for Joab, where he knows he's in trouble. He does his best to um, meet the problem with shrewdness, and he doesn't despair and then he brings whatever faith he has may the lord do what seems good to him to the situation and then they fight verse 13 so joab and the people who were with him drew near to battle against the syrians and they fled before him and when the ammonites saw that the syrians fled they likewise fled before abishai and entered the city then joab returned from fighting against the ammonites and came to jerusalem so the tactic worked by taking the best men against the least likely to have high morale men. Um, they're quick. Probably what happened was they, they started having some early victories and the Syrians thought, well, I'm not going to die for this. And then they fled. Um, and then when the Ammonites saw that their backup was gone, they also fled. And so this was a battle of faith. This is a battle of courage as more than about arms and numbers. And Joab played it right by faith, and and he won by by matching high morale versus low morale. He ended up defeating everybody, and then he goes back to Jerusalem after the Ammonites are walled up in their city. Now it's good to remember that because later on there's going to be some action. the The battle where Uriah is killed in order to protect David's sin is when they're sieging this Ammonite city. So this is the setup for the David and Bathsheba story, is that the army is sieging the Ammonite city after this victory here. Verse 15, but when the Syrians saw that they'd been defeated by Israel, they gathered themselves together. So they were chased off originally, but then they've regrouped here. And Hadadezer sent and brought out, of, out the Syrians who were beyond the Euphrates. So now they've summoned uh, reinforcements. This, this mercenary uh, army that got defeated has regrouped and now requested reinforcements. And they came to Helam with Shobak, the commander of the army of Hadadezer, at their head. And when it was told David, he gathered all Israel together and crossed the Jordan and came to Helam. 
And the Syrians arrayed themselves against David and fought with him. So now David is at this battle, and it's not just Joab, which is a bit of a foreshadow of when David doesn't go to battle uh, in the next chapter. And the Syrians fled before Israel, and David killed, the Syri- killed of the Syrians of the men 700 chariots and 40,000 horsemen and wounded Shobak, the commander of the army, so that he died there. When all the kings who were servants of Hadadezer saw that they had been defeated by Israel, they made peace with Israel and became subject to them. So the Syrians were afraid to save the Ammonites anymore. Okay, so here's the setup. Um, the Ammonites, just in summary, I should say, the Ammonites uh, dishonored David. Then they called in Syrian reinforcements. David's army defeated the Syrian reinforcements and chased off the Ammonites. The Syrians called in, regrouped and called in reinforcements, and David defeated the Syrians. And now the Syrians are not going to come and help the Ammonites who are walled up in their city. And this is the setup. And this is a good thing. This is a good chapter here, but it's a setup for the bad thing that's going to happen with David and Bathsheba in the next chapter. So be blessed, Calvary Chapel. Um, Let ourselves have good courage, even if it feels like we're surrounded. Even Joab, who sometimes was a godless man, knew that it's better to have courage in a losing battle than to despair. Be blessed.